Welcome back, uh, brothers and sisters, to another episode of the XX Mormon Podcast. I'm joined here today by Bishop Jensen. Of course, he's presiding up here on the stand, and I, Elder Jackson, am uh, conducting this meeting today. I understand Bishop Jensen has prepared somewhat of a, a talk for us on this on this beautiful Sabbath day. Mon- Mother's Day, Sabbath day. We should be handing out all our female listeners all our... Uh, flowers. <laughs> now now the curtain is lifted. That's when we're recording this. This won't come out till like July, but it's Mother's <laughs> Day right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so everything that we say is probably outdated. I, I, I've probably talked about my hair in recent episodes, growing out my hair, but I cut it. So I noticed. Yeah, I wanted to say congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. How how things change. I I wanted to grow it out, but then I realized how much work that is. Like, I don't I don't know why anybody has long hair. hair. I guess it can be beautiful. But in the summer, like Mm -hmm. it's going to get hot. I think I cut it now and then I think I'm going to leave it until next year and then just cut it again. And just kind of do it like that. I feel like that's a good way to go about it. But alas, um, you you have some some things to share with us. Would you like to come up here to, to the market? Come up to the stand and share. Um, before we get started, can I share a Mother's Day story from the first time I was like in a ward council in a family ward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as executive secretary and our bishop for some reason, you know how typical, like your stereotypical Mormon bishop, he's usually like... A, he, he usually has some kind of high level management position and he's very, very good with people and he's mm-hmm. very gregarious. And that's like your typical Bishop, right? When I think Mormon Bishop, I'm like people person. Yeah. Well, the this Bishop that we had in the first word after we were married was not a people person and really nitpicky on details and didn't really care about like high level stuff. <laughs> so he was really, really always grinding about the ward budget and really, so like our, we shoved so much information on the ward bulletin onto one page because he was worried about like our printing budget and printing what costs. And, are you saying? And Holy of cow. course, like this was like, this was 10 years ago. So it was before the hundred billion dollar fund became public knowledge. <laughs> right. Um, but it was just like, and I was the executive secretary and I remember it was like, all we talked about was like this bulletin and he had to check the bulletin before it got printed and had to make sure we crammed all this stuff on one page and, we had to go paperless for all our meetings and it, like, so for mother's day, we're more council and we're talking about what to do. Cause normally we get flowers, but the ward budget, you know, and of course the Sunday school president who the Sunday school president's person ward council, where you're like, why are you here? Yeah. Right. So he, he demonstrates his worth by saying, well, you know, my wife actually loves gardening. So instead of buying all the mother's flowers, what if we buy them a packet of seeds and then they can plant their own flowers and garden. (laughs) Uh And the Bishop's like, that sounds like the greatest idea. And I'm looking, I'm like, no guys, just buy them flowers. Budget be damned. Like buy them flowers. No, no, no. This, this seed idea sounds great. And so they get like the cheapest packet of seeds and it even has like a, as part of the labeling, on the package, like you can't take it off. It says like a bargain price, like $1.99 or something, but it's part (laughs) of the packaging. So you can't even like, so we're like giving, handing out all the women in the ward, these flower seeds that are $2 and they all know they cost $2, right? Instead, anyway. So in the spirit of Mother's Day, I just had to share that story about 
the Sunday school president demonstrating his worth on the word council. So funny. I, uh, I bought a gorilla plant once cause I thought my mom likes plants and right? I was dating this girl. It wasn't like I yeah. just bought, I was like, I like you, here's a plant. No. Right? And I, I bought her a plant and it was like in a pot and everything. And I was like, yeah, here, you know, I thought it was a really nice gesture. It died so fast, man. Right. Her, well, her mom watered it a few times and yeah. then it just got forgotten. About. Like, like pro tip, never think about the woman you're trying to romance and your mother at the same time. <laughs> and my, I know my dad has made this mistake where he buys a certain kind of flower for my mom. He doesn't do it anymore. I think my mom loved him enough, but he'd come home with this kind of flower and my mom would be like, why did you buy me like these? And he's like, you love these. And she's like, no, I don't. And he's like, no, you do. You love these. And she's like, uh, <laughs> hang on. This is your mom's favorite flower. And my dad's like, oh. And then my mom would just tear him a strip. I am your wife. You never think about me and your mom at the same time ever. Don't you? you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so like life pro tip, your wife yeah. and your mother should not ex- exist in your brain at the same time. <laughs> values Ever. to live by <laughs> yeah do not confuse those two same thing i think my dad bought my mom perfume once that was like actually my grandma's favorite perfume or something like my dad's mixed them up yeah and yeah just never do that or else it'll end up like a plant <laughs> just dead so funny yeah so funny okay well uh you ready for your uh your rant my my rant my diatribe well yeah. so, so from this last week there was a mormon stories that came out it is uh mark osland who is a seminary teacher and he tells some stories about his growing up uh he converted to the church he went on a mission got married and and the more he's talking about his life the more it's starting to sound like my life hmm and kind of the guilt complex he developed before and on his mission. Yeah. And then he comes home and he was a big uptight jerk. And I was a big uptight jerk. And and his family's like telling him, like, you came home from your mission and you're an a-hole. And I remember my parents telling me, like, son, like, you came home from your mission. You're kind of a jerk. Like, what's going on? Right. And then he, the way he describes his wife sounds a lot like my wife. Like, she came from a kind of like a, a Mormon royalty family. Like, my my father-in-law was a bishop my uncle-in-law was a stake president and a mission president and my grandfather-in-law was a patriarch right Mm -hmm. and so he's talking about his wife's family in in a similar kind of way but at the same time his wife is like i don't really care to read my scriptures i don't really care to go to church i don't really you know like she doesn't really care about and my wife was kind of like that as well when we got married and he was really uptight and a jerk and a pharisee about it Mm -hmm. and i was really uptight and a jerk and a pharisee about it and i'm listening to this and it's like I'm reliving everything all over again, and I'm getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And over probably the last six months, and especially since we started this podcast, I've really felt like I was through the anger phase. Hmm. But what happened through this whole experience was I, re- I believe that there is no anger phase. Yeah. And it was dwelling on me so much, I ended up writing something. And I think I just want to share a little bit about you know, what I wrote down as part of this episode, but like we talked in, in previous episodes about Godwin's law, that is an online discussion continues. The probability of a comparison to Nazis approaches one, right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I'm going to continue with Nazi comparisons to the LDS. <laughs> so the first time I ever heard of Nazis, it was watching Indiana Jones movies with my parents. Hmm. And I see this unique flag, right? The red flag with the swastika and they're really bad. And, 
I kind of, who are these guys with the, they're Nazis? Oh, who are the Nazis? Oh, they're the bad guys in World War II. You know, didn't really learn much more about it, but I just had this idea in my brain that Nazis were bad guys and evil people. And I, I didn't know why. Um, but then when I was about 10 or 12, I learned about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And when you learn about the Holocaust, you're like in a state of shock. Yeah. Right. And you're sad and you're in disbelief and you can't believe that human beings can be so terrible to each other. And then in my teens, I watched Schindler's List and that kind of puts it, puts the Holocaust on film for you. Mm-hmm. And the, have you seen Schindler's List? I haven't. No. Okay. There's a scene with a girl with a red jacket. The whole movie shot in black and white, even though it's filmed in the nineties, there's a little Jewish girl who wears a red jacket and you see her kind of trying to run away from, uh, from some Nazi raids and stuff like that. Mm. And then later in the movie, you see a pile of dead Jewish bodies and there's a red jacket. Oh, okay. It's absolutely mortifying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of scenes in that movie that are absolutely mortifying. Right. And every time you watch Schindler's list or watch a documentary on the Nazis, you will get angry again. Mm-hmm. There is no anger phase with Nazis. It's just every time you hear about how terrible Nazis are, you get angry again. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you don't, you don't just get over it. You don't say, oh, well, you know, <laughs> Nazis will be Nazis or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like, no, yeah, you're right. That was like every time you remember it, it's it's there again. It's, and you're it's angry fresh. again and you're sad again and you're disturbed again and you, yeah. you're in absolute disbelief. And then you hear about Holocaust deniers and you're in absolute disbelief that people can deny this. Mm-hmm. And, and you see white power groups emerging and you're in absolute disbelief and rage that that things like this can happen and, and ideas like that can still persist. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I was a teenager when I really came face to face with how ugly Nazism was. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was angry about it. Like everybody was and sad about it and depressed about it. And I'd say, like I talked about in my PPI, when I was about 18, I learned how ugly the LDS church was. And when that happened, when I was forced to, reconfess sins I'd already confessed. I was shocked and I was sad and I was angry. And uh, it was hard. What's been harder to admit was that I was abused. That was abuse. Right. And I think one thing that makes it hard to admit that that was abuse is because honest, if you can put like on a scale of suffering, the abuse that I suffered wasn't that bad. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to trivialize the abuse of others and just kind of throw that word around, but it was, it was ecclesiastical abuse. It was abuse of power. It was harassment. I was in no position to handle that. Right. And um, I burnt, I buried those feelings and repressed them. And, you know, all I ended up getting for it was anxiety and depression. Um, But then when I started coming to grips with the truth claims about the church and how it's not everything that it says it is, the shock, surprise, and sadness of all those ugly, abusive things that I experienced all came back. Hmm. Right? Um, But then when I started distancing myself from the church, the anger starts to fade and go away. And the church starts becoming a joke. And the goal of my life in this podcast has been to get past being angry and to get past caring and to move on. Right. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying, listening to that Mark Oslin Mormon story, it mirrored my own experience so much that I became depressed and angry and anxious all over again. 
And so I don't think there is an anger phase in leaving the church, but it is, is you find things that make you angry and they're justifiable things to make anybody angry. Like the Holocaust should make anybody angry whenever they hear about it. Mm-hmm. But all that happened was I started to put enough space between myself and those experiences so that it wasn't on my mind all the time. Just kind of like how Nazis aren't on my mind all the time. So I can say, oh, I'm past being angry about the Nazis because I don't think about Nazis in the Holocaust all day. It's lost. It's almost lost to history in a way, right? Mm-hmm. There's enough space between me and that event that it's not on my mind all the time. And really that's all that happened with me in the church. Right. Is that enough? I put enough space between myself and it that I wasn't thinking about it all the time, mm-hmm. but I can't really say that I was like through the anger phase and that, that these things would never make me angry again. Right. Right. Yeah. It kind of becomes just, you know, something that you don't feel the need to talk about anymore. You know, uh, if hopefully down the line, you know, uh, I like doing the pity party thing right now and, you know, kind of gossiping and being like, this is so dumb, you know, but down the line to just be like, oh, I don't, I don't need to talk about that. If somebody comes up to me and says, oh, tell me about this. It's kind of like, you know what? It's behind me. You know, I saw, I saw these YouTubers I've been watching and turns out they, they left the church. I didn't, I didn't even know that they ever were members and um and they it was in like a q a thing people asked because people are like oh you seem kind of this way right you seem kind of mormony mm-hmm. and so people were asking and their response to it was oh yeah uh we were raised that way and we left and now we're gone and we don't even think about it or talk about it we're just you know we've talked to our therapist and we're moving on and they just left it at that. There wasn't a, you know, you need to make sure that, <laughs> you know, and this and this. And did you hear about this? Like, they didn't use it as an opportunity to go on a rant. They just said their yeah. thing. And then they went on to the next question. Moved on. That was it. And I thought that was, you know, a place that I want to get to. And, I mean, one way that I've done that, I I left the subreddit. I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I don't need <laughs> this. Yeah. angry (laughs) angry thing anymore because it's the same thing every day it just changes with the season a little bit right Mm -hmm. and i just realized i'm like i don't need that every day and uh am i still mad about things yeah if i if i talk about it i still think it's stupid right but i don't like you said i don't think about it all day but if something happened or a question was asked or you saw something oh yeah that was similar to the traumatic experiences you lived through Uh uh-huh you'd be in the anger phase all over again oh yeah and i i i do it all (laughs) (laughs) well sometimes when uh you know missionary work i hate it makes me so mad right right and i am like I'm not anti-religion or anything, but I'm very anti-missionary work. I'm anti-evangelizing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> just like it's something that gets my blood boiling. And I don't know that it ever won't because I think it's awful. I think it's bad for everybody, for everybody involved. 
I think it can be a very bad thing. And, and so, yeah, that, that's always going to make me angry, but I also don't think about that every single day, you know, and I also treat missionaries nicely because, you know, I know they're going through something hard, Yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, it's not like I just look at it and think, oh, that's just, you know, them being them. <laughs> How sweet. I'm like, no, it's still wrong. I just don't let it occupy my mind space all the time but when it does you're Oh, gonna when get it, angry yeah, 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 right yeah, and yeah. that but that's okay because we should get angry about things that should make people angry Mm hmm right and i think part of it with the church is it's like you want to it's almost like we talked about this anger phase is like if i can just get past being angry then i can finally be at peace but you're angry about things that should make you angry Yeah. And when those things come up or something reminds you of that again, you're going to be angry all over again. Mm hmm And like, there's some people you hear some apostates, some people who've left the church as they start to come to peace with things, they'll say things like, I don't criticize individual people in the church. They're just part of a system. And I criticize the system. And I've said that. And I think I've even said that on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you take a step back, could you honestly say that about Hitler or about Stalin or about Pol Pot or about any other terrible person who let something terrible happen? They were just a victim of their time, guys. I I probably tend to privately take the more compassionate view um of situations like that. I like I pity a lot of people who are really awful um and you know and i don't i don't excuse them um but i do i do pity them you know i think nelson's just a a guy who Like you're talking, you're talking about leaders in the LDS church, <laughs> not other horrendous sometimes other genocidal horrendous maniacs. sometimes I, I, I might have a little bit too much compassion and I don't, I don't necessarily think that, oh, we should forgive them. We never should have killed Hitler. We should have rehabilitated him. No, Mm -hmm. I think he was a lost cause. Yeah, I like, yeah. I think that it was too late, you know, Yeah. but I, I pity that that's where, like where his life and experiences led him. I, yeah, I think with some of these guys, they unleash an ideology without fully understanding the consequences. Yeah, yeah, And it and becomes a thing where like, if they'd known the full extent of where this was going to go, maybe they would have right, maybe they would have done pulled things back differently. a little sooner, you know, Yeah. if Ghost of Christmas Future could have come, come, come to Hitler and been like, oh, by the way, hey, this is the result. And then he's like, oh, I've had a change of heart here, you know. But it, like at the same time, He knew what was happening in Auschwitz. He did nothing to stop Yeah, it. and I, so I am not, Right? I should be very clear, <laughs> I am not at all excusing Yeah. anything any awful person has done. And I Yeah. am not at all suggesting that this is all okay or anything. Yeah. But I am just, I am just saying, <laughs> this is me covering my butt if anybody ever Yeah, finds yeah. this. I'm Yeah. just saying that... There are systems that take advantage of every single person, including the people at the top, right? For You know, sure. I just, I just finished watching The Crown, Mm-hmm. uh, the 
four seasons. And uh, I'd watched the first two a while ago when they first came out. But then I just finished the, the fourth one yesterday. And they have, like, it's this whole system. And they're these rich, powerful, privileged people. Mm-hmm. But they are completely stripped of their personal identity. You know, what would the queen have done if she was an atheist? You know, just dissolve the Anglican church. <laughs> Be like, well, you know, like, uh, oh, right. it was fun, you know. And, and like, William's just living his life. You know, he's expected to take on that mantle someday, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I... I see their privilege. I like it fully acknowledge the blessed situation that they have, but I also pity them mm-hmm. because they're also a victim of this system, right? Like right. they, you know, and, and so I do, I, I, I'm kind of on both ends of it, but I, I feel get, that's I a, get what, a like there is other, a docu- there is a documentary on Netflix about Hitler's kind of rise to power mm-hmm. and he puts his toes in the anti-Semitic nationalistic ideology, but there were a lot of people leading small fringe groups that Mm -hmm. saw him as a mouthpiece and as a charismatic speaker. And they took advantage of his ability to make him the Supreme leader. Mm -hmm. Right. So for sure. Yes. Some things, but at the same time, this is what I think just when I hear people try to step back from the culpability of church leaders and and find a place of peace and forgiveness for them. They are watching a spiritual Holocaust. They know about the spiritual Auschwitz they've created Mm -hmm. and they do nothing even, and especially Dieter fucking Uchtdorf Hmm. putting the F in Uchtdorf. That guy, when I hear people talk about him as the liberal progressive, whatever he knows about the lawsuits, he knows what goes on in youth interviews. Mm Mm-hmm he doesn't walk away and he does nothing to stop it. Mm-hmm. He, so he's just as culpable as the rest of them. Yeah. And, and I think one way that humankind in history has come to cope with the evils of Nazism is we have mocked and ridiculed and made Hitler the brunt of like every joke. Have you seen the Adam Sandler classic, little Nikki? No. So plot basic plot of the story is Adam Sandler plays this guy, Nikki, who's the son of Satan and he's got to go out into the real world and something, something. But anyway, he's talking to his dad at the start of the movie. Who's the devil. Right. And they're in hell and there's a knock on the door and Hitler comes in and he's wearing a funny outfit and he's holding a pineapple and the devil's like, Oh, excuse me. Um, It's my 1am or 1pm appointment to shove this pineapple up Hitler's ass. And it's just like, yeah, because if if you're going to shoot a movie that's in hell, of course, Hitler's there. And of course, something terrible is going to happen to him because he is so terrible. But we look at leaders of the LDS church and it's like, well, you know, they're worthy of love and they're worthy and they're just victims of a blah, blah, blah. No, they know all the facts. They know what's going on and they let it happen. Yeah. They're worthy of derision. They're worthy of ridicule. They're worthy of becoming the brunt of a joke in history. So one thing that I started doing to cope is I am really pushing a conspiracy theory that David Bednar is a robot. <laughs> and in fact, I want to push this so hard that the church or fair Mormon formally addresses it. 
<laughs> We're going to need more listeners. But then. that gives me peace. Right, right. That I can mock and ridicule this guy who is worthy of mocking and ridicule for being part of an organization that is terrorizing people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think humor is a way we can all come to peace with these things, to make them a hiss and a byword because they are worthy of that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. <laughs> I might look like, I might look back at this in five years and say, Oh, maybe I was being too strong, but no, they all know what's going on. Yeah. Even Gordon B. Hinckley. And this is people from my generation. This is very, very hard. A yeah. very, very hard thing for them to come to terms with because Gordon Hinckley was such a grandfatherly common sense guy. Mm-hmm. He's the one who authorized in the handbook for stake presidents to reinterrogate people about past sins before missions. Right. He is the godfather of the abuse I faced. Yeah. And I hope the devil's shoving a pineapple up his ass in hell right now. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Do you know, right? I, I did think I, the thought did occur to me yesterday. I was like, oh man, it's too bad. There's, there's no such thing as, as, as hell. Cause I was like, I was like, it just would have been really satisfying to think of them there. So I do, like, I do think about those things. I do try and yeah. be more compassionate, but I like, I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I did think about that. I was like, that's just like, it's the idea of Dallin H. Oaks, <laughs> you know, like it's just satisfying, mm-hmm. you know, like it's nice, but um, yeah, no. So I, I get what you're saying. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like, it's not, it's to take your hate and transform it into mockery. Cause this is what totalitarian regimes hate when it comes to freedom of the press. They don't care so much about the newspaper, but they really care about political cartoons. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they, God cannot be mocked. Yeah. And when you are the Supreme ruler, you cannot, because once people can mock you, they don't have to be afraid of you. Yeah. Yeah. How does it go? God the God will not, will not be, mocked. be mocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so funny. The whole... <laughs> like, I was like, thinking about it today. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's so obviously pretend. You know, like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, the, it's just this silly, it's stupid, you know? Um, and I was thinking, you know, people hold on to little things. They're like, oh, I have the testimony because of this. And they like note X thing that mm-hmm. reassures them of this experience I had or, oh, the way it relates to Jewish writings or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's so perfect. How, you know, I was like, okay, well, it only needs one thing wrong to be wrong. Like, that's it. That's all, right. that's all it takes. Right. Yeah. That's that is it. <laughs> right. Yeah. In a in a math equation, you you change one thing, and it and it throws everything off. Right. It's mm-hmm. wrong, and it's like it needs one thing to be wrong, and it has so many. You know, it's like listen. <laughs> I think if people want to believe in some sort of higher power, I don't. But mm-hmm. I think if people want to, that you know, whatever. But Mormonism ain't it. Right. I mean, 
I think when, when you talk about the math equation, that's interesting, right? Because people kind of evaluate the LDS churches in English essay and mm. you can, the, the, the marker can disagree with you on word choice or certain stylistic things and you can still get an A. Mm-hmm. You might not get an A plus, but you'll get an A still. Mm-hmm. Even though there's some things that are wrong or kind of a gray area, right? But the church isn't, they're giving you mathematical concreteness. Right, right. And it that's is, why- It is capital T true. True. Yeah. And that's why you can say, when they say one plus one equals three, they're wrong. Yeah. And and that is enough for the whole thing to be wrong because they phrased it that way. Yeah. They didn't say, look at our mosaic of beliefs. Yeah. And kind of see how this works with you and evaluate it that way. And maybe we're a B plus. Right. And if we're B plus, great, stay. Yeah. If you think we're an F minus, then leave. That's fine. Uh, you know, a subjective kind of marking of an essay. Yeah. They, they haven't phrased their argument or position in that way. Yeah. And so you can't evaluate it that way, but members start evaluating it that way. They're like, right. Look, I can have five uh, grammatical er- and spelling errors before you are forced to give me a D. Mm-hmm. That's the way they look at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fail me until you got a lot of things wrong. <laughs> but the way the church <laughs> talks about it is like, if any one thing is wrong, the whole arch of the keystone of whatever falls over. So what we said, there were horses and chariots, you know, <laughs> What like that doesn't mean that anything. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's a pretty big deal. See, but then in in a hundred years, somebody's gonna be listening back to this podcast and be like, the church never claimed the Book of Mormon was historical fact. <laughs> well, yeah, just like on the topic of horses, I think because there was something that I saw come out, and I don't know if it's National Geographic or something else, but evidence for pre-Columbian horses that would have been in a time frame relevant to the book of Mormon. Cause they found them that were like from 14,000 BC, but mm-hmm. they started finding some horse remains or evidence of horse culture among native Americans that fit with the book of Mormon timeframe. But the problem is, is that because the North and South American continents are so massive, nobody can fit all these evidences into a geographically consistent mm-hmm. model. And well, so I'd say yeah. like w- when critics of the church nail just beat on the drum of no horses, no wheat, no whatever. They're going to find some of those things, but they can't find it in a geographically consistent model. So when we just focus on one of those things exclusively, they will find something, I think, to capture it. Well, and I mean, yeah, we... We don't need to go into that. There's hours and hours (laughs) of... Okay, uh, of the horses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I actually have... Uh, there's, have you read 1984 Orwell's? Uh, I haven't read it, but of course, growing up in a totalitarian organization, <laughs> familiar with the basic plot and a lot of the, the key phrases, <laughs> well, the, key, so, the key tokens and phrases that will allow yeah. me to pass by the, <laughs> the angels, angels that stands as sentinels. sentinels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love, it's like, I know enough to ex- get into 1984 heaven. It, yeah, we. I think we should do do an episode on 1984 sometime. I have, like, I I just finished the book a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. while I was reading it, I was like, "Holy cow! Like, what? <laughs> it's so everything, everything, man." We're always at war with East Asia. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, we're always at war with uh, what's what's the other one? 
uh, Eurasia. There's Eurasia and East Asia. Yeah. I thought it was East. I thought that was the phrase that people always say for when, when people are going back in time to redact and re-edit. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, they, yeah. So there's like Eurasia and then East yeah. Asia. And then yeah. always, it always switches, right? Yeah. So they have to go back. There's Yeah. like And this, this one scene. This was so funny. I'll share this before we, uh, before we close, because I think we're, yeah, we're wrapping up here. But yeah. there's this one scene where it's part of hate week, which they all get together and they chant and rah, 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 right? It's like general conference for, for these people. And they like talk about how much they hate the other side and how they're winning and how great they are. And then they have like these live executions of the enemy. And in the middle, uh, <laughs> they're like at war with East Asia or whichever one. And they're at war with, with one of them. And then all of a sudden, the, the announcer's like, we've always been at war with Eurasia. And they like switch it in the middle of hate week. And they... <laughs> And so, like, their ally switches all of a sudden. And Yeah. then, but they have all these banners up already of Right. the other side saying, we love, like, East Asia. Like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're friends with East Asia. And yeah. then all of a sudden it switches and then everybody in the crowd starts, oh, no, we've got these banners up. And then the announcement's like... Oh no, we've we've been infiltrated. They put these up as an attempt to to ruin us and blah blah blah. And then everybody's tearing them down and ripping them apart, saying we we hate East Asia or whatever. They're like switching sides all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and they act like it's always been that way. And then the week after, uh, Winston, the main character, has to go in and like work eighty plus hour weeks trying to. cross out all the references to the other things so that it seems Yeah. like you know they've always been at war with this other group That sounds like the the President Nelson is just too Orwellian to comprehend, right? That sounds like the uh I'm a Mormon campaign to oh yeah Mormon is a victory for Satan. mm And -hmm. then the uh the the November 15 policy or whatever, November 5th policy, the God inspired us to have this policy. Three years God later. inspired us to take away this policy. <laughs> <laughs> well, We've always let gay kids <laughs> or uh, the, the children of gay people get baptized. do you know what? Do you know what the best part is too? With uh, with the way that Mormons say time works, <laughs> they're like, <laughs> that's like less than a second for God, right? Right. Because it's like one day is like a thousand years. So that's Right, like right. that's like God was like. comes down and he says to president nelson he's like yeah don't let the children of gay parents get baptized and then he turns Yeah. away president nelson announces it and then god turns back he's like wait 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 actually Well, yes change yeah my mind. uh yeah you should let them In <laughs> get in my baptized infinite foreknowledge, I somehow missed this one. <laughs> it's But you know, that's like what Second Nephi, when he starts talking about how the fall was intentional, that is a 1984 thing in the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm where Joseph Smith is like, oh yeah, how does the fall of Adam work with the foreknowledge of God? Right. I've got to write something in here to show that God always knew that they were going to fall and that it was on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> Oh, man. Well, this this has been this has been fun. This is So I just say, in conclusion...
when things that should make you angry, when you hear about things that should make you angry, they will, you will be angry again. And that's okay. You will never be through it. And mockery and humor and satire is the way we have learned to cope with things that are traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage you to find a way to make fun of the church. And if you want to share it on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, I made a picture. It's a T-1000 next to Bednar with a, with a T-800 endoskeleton. And I said, until this man stands next to an electromagnet, I will not be convinced that he is anything <laughs> but a robot. That's funny. I like that. How much Reddit karma did that did that net you? 125. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about putting it on Twitter and tagging him. <laughs> I mean, you do what you want. And let the consequences follow. Because <laughs> honestly, if I could get X'd. Oh, do you know how that, fun that would be? Worth it. I like secretly want to, but I know, I know I'm not going to. Actually, uh, probably within a week of this episode airing, I'll probably yeah. be talking to, to my bishop and getting records removed. So I kind of want to dare them to excommunicate me for something like this. See, it would be fun. Maybe we should make this show it, public. Like go out in a... Yeah, I, we should like share it. The, like this <laughs> show, my parents finding out about the show, I'm not so keen on. My parents knowing that I put out a tweet, because I've been saying... Bednar is a robot, even when I was active. Right. See, and right? like and people laugh about that. If you're in, if you're in the group, you can say stuff like that. Yeah, but it would be like, Mom, they're trying to excommunicate me because I made a joke about a robotic person being robotic. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? And I don't care, so I'll let them do it. But I don't care. Well, son, you should really be taking this stuff more. Mom, how can you not see that this is madness? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So I'm really, I'm toying with the idea of doing that because I don't have a presence on Twitter and I don't, nobody who knows me, I don't know anybody through Twitter. Right. See, my dad I've, follows me on Twitter. So. Right. Yeah. So I could, I could put it up and tag David A. Bednar and Mormon and ex-Mormon and all of it and then just see if it spreads. And it's like the review of the facts with this guy his side part definitely a hatch <laughs> right it just folds open yeah and then that's how the access is his his mainframe his yeah. ai supercomputer and then he was a professor at purdue that's where they engineered him <laughs> during his professorship do you, and then do you think he's a, like a cyborg or like they made him I think there was at one point in time a real David Bednar, hmm. but eventually, like maybe he's like Darth Vader and he's more machine now than man. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they just, maybe the real David Bednar is like a, a research scientist at, um, at, at Purdue, but he made this automaton to penetrate the LDS church or he created it to fully channel the power of God through a clean vessel who is free from the sin of masturbation <laughs> for being a robot. He has no desire being a robot. He probably doesn't even have a penis. That would be the other thing he could do. He can either stand next to an electromagnet or he can drop his pants and show us he's a Ken doll <laughs> I... or show us that he's not a Ken doll. And then I'll believe he's not a robot, but until one of those two things happens, <laughs> 
I remain convinced that he's a robot. The other thing, the robotic delivery of all of his talks, I once again invite the spirit to dwell within and next to each of us as I review the five points of blah, 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 blah. Right. And it's like, it's almost as if AI, a predictable AI wrote this. Oh yeah, totally. An AI could totally, it could write any of their talks. Like, have you seen the Tom Clancy plot generator? No. There, I think like it used to be on the internet when I was in high school, but you could just go there and it would like generate a generic Tom Clancy novel plot about like a CIA agent, something to do with Russians, nuclear missiles. And okay, go, I'm right? looking it up. Plot generator. Tom Clancy here. Da, da, da. Okay, select one. Okay, here we go. Communists, terrorists, <laughs> mercenaries, drug lords. Let's go communists. Uh, <laughs> take over a generic industrial <laughs> blackmail a congressman that sounds fun uh, corrupt <laughs> gypsy nationals uh, uh, nuclear warheads <laughs> sassy cop with street smarts <laughs> another satisfying tale of <laughs> okay here we go yeah <laughs> Uh, communists devise a scheme to blackmail a congressman for ransom under the watchful eye of corrupt gypsy nationals. The plot twists when the communists hijack a shipment of nuclear warheads <laughs> even after even after their demands are met unless a sassy cop with street marks can quell his pride long enough to stop the communists once and for all. It's, sorry, were you talking about Patriot Games? Or, uh, <laughs> like, I can't tell. Right, yeah. Is this any Jack Ryan novel? I don't know. But you <laughs> could do that with a Bednar talk, right? Oh, I invite yeah. the spirit to go into and sit beside each of our hearts as we review the five points of whatever. And then he makes jokes, but he makes jokes so infrequently that people don't know he's making jokes. And then he pauses <laughs> and waits for laughter. And it's like, it's taken out of a movie. I feel like there's, there's gotta be a Robin Williams movie or something where so, a comedian is playing a robot and they're making jokes to appear more human, but it comes across as really awkward. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's like when David Bednard makes a joke in real life, people are like, so you're like crossing the uncanny Valley. You're like, not sure man or machine. Not sure. I think um, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. <laughs> I can tell uh, you guys can't see it, but uh, Bishop's got like a whiteboard with all these points pointing to each other, all all lining up. He's got pictures of good old Dave up there in the background and yeah. little little dioramas. Dude, is and it stuff. David A. Bednar or David A. Bender? You oh. seen Futurama? Oh, yeah. I leave that credit to to Reddit user Nearly Headless Laban. Oh, okay. Well, thank yeah, you. So thank you, Nearly Headless Laban. <laughs> That's a funny username too. I like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this has been right. good and groovy. Thank you for that talk, Bishop. Um, really think we felt the spirit here today, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll all have lots to think about going forward. <laughs> through this week uh and uh i say these things in the name of jesus christ amen amen